All right, thank you, Richie, and thank you, everyone, for gathering today. It's a great joy to see you face-to-face and to worship our Lord and Savior together. As we announced last Sunday, today is a very special Sunday for us as a church. So normally at this time, um, I guess it's normal at this point, I'd be up on the, the roof over there, and so that's already your first clue, right, that something is, something is different than, than normal and it's because there are going to be three of us kind of speaking in this time slot today, and we didn't want everyone climbing up and down and somebody fall over the edge into the stairwell, and it'd be, it'd be a real problem. So instead, we'll be here and hopefully stay out of the sun as much as possible. But what we're doing today is we are officially ordaining Richie Frank to the ministry and installing him as one of the pastors in our church, Grace City Church of the Northeast. So yes, that is exactly right. So we are thrilled about that. We've been waiting a while, and Richie's been very patient with the process, and we are really excited to have gotten to this point today. This marks the culmination of years of work on his part and years of God's work in his life. And he's going to come in just a moment kind of tell some of that story of how God has worked in his life. So today what we're doing, um, I, was, I was notified uh, just a couple minutes before we started that some of our kids who know Disney really well, and have, it, there are moments where princesses become queens or princes become kings. It's usually just princesses becoming queens, I think, in Disney's world. But that's a, that's a coronation, um, Richie is not becoming a king today, um, so ordination is not exactly the same as coordina- uh, coronation. He's not going to get a crown. He doesn't get to rule a kingdom. What ordination is, today we are recognizing the call of God on Richie's life and the requisite character and competence to serve God's church as one of its pastors. Okay, so we're saying God has called Richie to this, and that some of the ways we know that are the character that he has shown over the last really 14 years of connection with us as a church. Um, He's been here living out here officially since 2008 when he and Jenny got married, but he had interned a couple summers before that. So we've had connection with him since the summer of 2006 here. So Richie's going to come He's going to share the story of God's work in his life. So we're recognizing the character that he's shown, the call of God on his life, and competence, the gifting to serve the church in particular ways that God calls pastors to do that. After Richie shares his story of God's work in his life, Aaron, one of our pastors, is going to come and give a charge to Richie, and then I'm going to come after Aaron and give a charge to us as the congregation? How should we receive him as one of our pastors? Then we'll ask him a series of questions that he'll hopefully answer correctly, and then uh, we'll have four questions for us as the church about do we receive him as one of our pastors, and we'll answer all together we do to those four questions. And then the elders will pray over him, laying hands on him, and then he will lead us in communion and send us out with God's blessing. So that's the plan for the rest of our time together. Richie, if you'll come and share with us the story of God's work in your life.
Good morning again. Uh, this is a day that I have looked forward to for quite a few years, um, not out of attaining something, um, but out of love for God and love for you all. Um, and it's a day that really doesn't look anything like I pictured like it was going to look. Um, there are circumstances externally. Being outside wasn't how I pictured this. Um, there are people here um, that I didn't know would be here because I thought it would happen a lot earlier. There are people who aren't here um, because I thought this perhaps would happen a lot earlier. So um, I'll get into that a little bit in a, a couple of minutes, but I'm just so grateful that it's not, um, this ultimately isn't about me. I, I was talking with, with Rob about this on Friday, um, that as much as you kind of picture the, the ideal day, so kind of like, you know, if you're a bride picturing what your wedding day is going to be like and then a pandemic happens or a graduate in the spring and a pandemic happens and nothing's turning out the way you thought it would, um, this it doesn't matter right now. Um, this is about God's work and God's grace in my life um, and being faithful and obedient uh, to use the gifts he's given me and to, um, to be faithful to serve him and to make serious and joyful commitments to serve you all, my, my family, my church. Um, so I'm so eager to do that. And for those of you who don't know my story, I'm going to share God's work in my life um, over the past almost 34 years. Um, that growing up in a church um, where I was taught the Bible by faithful Sunday school teachers, by having faithful parents who brought me to church every week, by having siblings who were older than me pointing me to the good news of the gospel and friends who were faithful, by having church leaders um, recognize gifts in my life and encourage me towards pursuit of growth and education and pursuit of God for personal sanctification. Um, this is not a work that stops once I pass three tests, um, but a work that I trust God will continue to do in my life um, as I proclaim the goodness of him um, to you as one of your pastors and to my friends and family and neighbors as I should. Um, so I think the best way to sum it up is to start with the acknowledgement that I'm a sinner. And I know as a pastor, um, that's kind of common sense to say. But as we look in Ephesians 2, it's the beginning of my story. As Paul's writing, he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, and once you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For, grace you, for by grace you have been saved through faith 
And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So basically, that's, that's my story. I was dead, but I am now alive because of Christ's work. That he has created me to walk in good works, um, to obey and to follow him. So I'm trusting both Christ, Paul's words here, and the evaluation of others in my life as they pointed out gifts in my life and encouraged me to grow in them. That I want to obey and to walk in the good works that God has prepared before me. I want to be faithful to him and to proclaim his good news. So I know Jenny has been excited about this and letting many of my friends and family and our neighbors know. And whether you're here or watching, the main thing that I want you to know is that God has been rich in his mercy and grace. That there's nothing I could have done to earn his merit or favor, but that he has been kind to me that in his providence, he has caused me to be born again, that he has caused me to trust in him alone for my salvation. So if you're watching this, I would encourage you, if you're hearing this, I would encourage you to trust in Jesus alone for your salvation, that there's nothing we can do, nothing you can do, nothing I can do that would earn merit or favor with God, that we can't work our way to heaven but Christ did everything on this earth as he lived his perfect life. And he paid the penalty of our sin on the cross. And he defeated death by raising again. And that trusting in him, as we call upon his name, we will be saved. So if you're watching this today because you love me, thank you for that. I appreciate it. But ultimately, what I want, to, want you to take away from this is not how great I am, but how great of a savior Christ is. So if you want to talk with me after this about, hey, that thing you, you did, you know, you, you got to be a pastor, um, congratulations. I, I want conversations to be so much more than that. So God's work particularly in my life, not just generally. I, like I mentioned briefly earlier, I grew up probably going to church probably two weeks after I was born. My parents faithfully attended a church where I grew up in a small town in Illinois. And I grew up hearing in church the stories of the Bible, learning the books of the Bible, hearing faithful teaching of God's work through the Old and New Testaments. So I would encourage you that as, as I grew up and grew in the knowledge of God, that was a big foundation of where I am today but that's not when I trusted in Jesus but it was a foundation it was seeds being sown by faithful friends faithful Sunday school teachers so if you're a grace for kids teacher even though we're not having that right now if you're a parent who is teaching your children the Bible know that even if there is not fruit right now you are laying a good foundation that I remember the names of my precious Sunday school teachers who sowed those seeds, that thanks to women like Ellen McCrell and Carolyn Moffat and Ron Hall and 
youth group leaders like Ron and Tony Swing who gave up their Sunday nights every week to invest in punk youth group kids who like to torment them and TP their house and play pranks on them. Those are faithful works for you to continue doing. For a one-time visiting seminary student, Mike Moriello, who visited our high school Sunday school class and was excited about the work God does in his people's life and preached and taught Ephesians 2, jumping over couches, one time. Kids remember that. So whether you have one shot or a weekly shot, take that opportunity to invest God's word into youth, into children. I am grateful for these people in my life. I'm thankful for faithful leaders and friends in the church. For my high school pastor, Ted Gillum, who encouraged me, and as I brought him questions about what I should do for next steps, encouraged me in the gifts he thought he saw in me. That as I moved out here, like Rob said, um, to serve for two summers in 2006 and 2007, as I got connected to Ian McConnell through um, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, Jenny, as he invested in me and entrusted things to me, both responsibility and God's word, um, for him to be faithful to invest in young men. For pastors here, both now and in the past, for showing me love and care and patience, for teaching. So I'm grateful for men like Tom Horton, for men like Stephen Bound and Dan Burkholtz, for Josh Hurst, for Brad Steiner, for Rob and Danny and Aaron and Greg and Jesse. These are men who are faithful to proclaim the good news of Jesus and to invest in the next generation of those who would serve his church, whether pastorally or in the body, to use their gifts and to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry as Ephesians 4 calls us to do. I am so grateful for them. I'm also grateful for many of you. Whether you've been a part of my small group, both in the past or currently, each one of you, as you use your gifts, as you use your wisdom and your maturity, um, as you use, um, as God uses the spirit in you to encourage me, and build me up, I am grateful for you, and I see many of your faces here today. I want to list almost everybody here, but to keep it brief, I won't. But know that I love you, and I am grateful that you are using your gifts to build up the body, and I would encourage you to continue to do that. That's how God has built me up and strengthen me and continues to sanctify me is through the work of the, this body using their gifts as God calls us to do in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. I am grateful for you. The over-under on the times I would, I would cry today was three and a half. I'm already at one and probably about to be at two. <laughs> Um, there are people who aren't here that God has greatly used in my life.
both brothers and sisters who have gone to sleep and are now with the Lord, who have taught me much but about what it means to follow Jesus. So my brother Bob Spies and George Siervo and Al Shrink and Paul Strauss and my sister Roberta Grumpt These are dear saints I wish could be here. Um, but I know, I know they are enjoying sweet communion with our God. And I am comforted and grateful for that. Before a pandemic hits, I'm, I'm able to joyfully lead a Bible study for seniors in our church. So being out in the heat and due to potential sickness and being vulnerable, um, some of my dear sisters aren't able to be here. So Tysa and Pat Ram and Ann Laro and a dear sister who moved out towards Lancaster, Betty Kern, who have encouraged me um, say that I've put up with them um, but really they've welcomed me and taught me so much about what it means to faithfully follow Jesus for decades um, for people still here who um, also can't be here um, like Rob says um, whenever Walt's name is mentioned that he wants to grow up and be like Walt Grumpt. Um, yes. I know I can't make promises to you, or I shouldn't, that I can't keep. And I won't. Um, but I would love to be here for decades. Like Walt faithfully teaching God's word, faithfully praying for you. And this still counts as one cry, even though there might have been a break. Um, but Walt is and Roberta faithfully prayed as this church seemed to be on the verge of closing and death. They faithfully proclaimed God's word to those who were around for Paul Thorpe for coming here today when he didn't plan on it. Um, for Denise, for Linda Kilner, who is such a faithful example of following Jesus, even in the midst of a very hard life. I love you, and I wish you could be Still one time. That counts as one. Uh, I'm not from here, and Philadelphia can kind of have a provincial kind of reputation of being skeptical of outsiders, not welcoming, but this church was the opposite of that now 14 years ago. Um, they quickly became my family. They welcomed me. They encouraged me. They've loved me. This is the story of so many people 
um, who have come through this church. Um, at that time, um, a couple named Bill and Lisa Rodebaugh um, were purchasing houses to be able to house college students for summers to serve and to learn about urban ministry. Without their great sacrifice, um, people like me would not be here. Woody and Melissa, Shemri and Becky, who recently departed, Rob and Steph as they initially moved up, Danny and Becky, Jesse and Natalie. The Rodebaugh's sacrificial giving, even in the midst of a hard recession back in 2008, to serve people just to get them here, to be able to continue to the work of revitalizing this church. I'm grateful for their example and their sacrifice and the fruit that is born. I'm thankful, again, for faithful pastors who have entrusted, as we see in 1 Timothy 2, that what they've heard, they entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So as Rob alluded to, it's been a journey even since I've been here over the past 14 years. Um, Starting with Ian and Rachel McConnell welcoming me into their home, Ian being so eager to have the first non-Bob Jones intern come to Urban Imperative. But seeing their model of hospitality, welcoming others into their home who aren't at home, seeing their passionate worship of Jesus, proclaiming his good news, shouting his goodness so that all might hear, and having faith in what God can do, trusting that as big as the vision God is giving them, that it's not their work that will accomplish it, but it is Christ's work before them, through them, and behind them that will accomplish many great things, whether that is in revitalizing a church or planting new churches or reestablishing other churches, but to faithfully trust what God can do by modeling what leading your family looks like, welcoming me to their lunch and dinner table over those internship summers, hearing from a modified version of Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O McConnells, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Thank you, Ian and Rachel and Payson and Piper and Silas for welcoming me, for teaching me, and for entrusting me with the gospel. For Rob investing time into building a theological training program several years ago, for taking a group of men and faithfully walking us through systematically, making sure that we understood, that we trusted, and that we could teach and defend our great Savior, the trust of the gospel that we have been given that his love of theological training and precision has produced fruit, that Aaron and I here will now be pastors, that we went through this with our dear brother Gabe McGill, who is serving as a pastor down in Frankfurt, 
that he and Stephanie and Ian and Rachel invested time in our family, uh, particularly as couples. So grateful for our time with Aaron and Robin and Gabe and Melissa and Chris and Kim and Shimmery and Becky, Becky as we considered what pastoral ministry might look like for us. As we wrestled theologically, as we wrestled through what caring for the church looked like, I am grateful, Rob, for your investment and for your partnership in the gospel. Stephanie, I'm thankful for your sacrifice of your time and your talents and amidst a hard time physically a couple of years ago of still releasing Rob to serve the church. It, it bears fruit and by the grace of God, I am one of the evidences of that. So please do not grow weary in well-doing. Danny and Becky, as Jenny and I were a part of your small group, we're thankful for you and your example of faithfully reaching out to others with the gospel by caring for your neighborhood and your neighbors. Brad and Heidi, for your investment in us as we have grown up as parents together, as you have served faithfully, treasuring the kids here at Grace, investing in them, I pray that you would continue to grow in the grace of our great Savior. And for those who are currently part of my discipleship community who have prayed for me, Throughout this last testing process, looking forward to this day, I thank you for the constant encouragement from Chris and Kim, for Natalie, for Paula, for my in-laws, Art and Bonnie Hummel, who are such a picture of generosity. Thank you. Thank you. For Chris, who has recently joined us, for Bree and for Kirk. I am so grateful that God has placed me in a group who is such an encouragement and as we study God's word together, as we grow together in Christ. And I know I have no clue how long I'm talking, so I'm sorry. But again, I've, I've been looking forward to this day and I want to mention so many people, but um, quickly, um, a guy who's no longer here, but who had a great impact on me, Scott Pickering, who valued real relationships, who when you came up to him on a Sunday, if you said, I'm doing good or doing okay, he pressed you. We need people like that in our church who really care about how you're actually doing and who have a deep love for knowledge of God and of his word. So, Scott, if you're ever able to watch this, I am grateful for your impact on my life. For Bobo Beck, who has been a dear brother to me, who co-led a small group with me, who is such a push for us to reach out with the gospel to the nations, I am grateful for you. For examples in our church who care about the nations so much, who stir me up in an area of weakness, who bring to mind the nations, I'm thankful for Ralph and Pat as you go, and Pat as you sacrifice time with him as he goes to India and preaches the gospel and cares for people. I'm grateful for your stirring me up to love for the nations. For Jonathan and Sue DeHart, who stir me up for love for the nations, both here and abroad, I thank you and am so grateful for you. I guess there's been a long enough pause where this will count as another probably.
I am so thankful for my wife. That what we see in Proverbs 18, where it said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I am grateful for you. Um, in many ways, as so many of you probably do as well, you make sacrifices for the kingdom that so many people don't see. But I'm up here so I can, I can make some of these known. Um, I'm thankful for near daily reminders from Jenny of God's grace to me and reminders to extend that to others, to be patient and gentle with our kids and with her and with others. You might not know if you're newer or don't have deep relationships with us, but you might see her quickly exit almost every Sunday morning. Um, That's because she sacrifices for our family and works as a nurse at St. Christopher's Children's Hospital and works either Friday night and Sunday night on a weekend or Saturday night and Sunday night on a weekend. So while I'm here preparing to worship, she is usually getting home at 7.45, giving a passing kiss as I go out the door, and then she gets four kids ready to come to church, comes and worships God, and then goes home and sleeps for about five hours and goes back to work almost every Sunday so that I can do what I do to serve you all. So I'm just thankful for you. Still one, still in the same group. Um, that she has devoted herself to steadfastly invest in helping raise our kids to know and to love God. So I'm thankful for your partnership, both to serve the church, even though often in this season, it's not side by side, physically. Um, But you help to serve the church in partnership with me and you help side by side lead our kids to know and to love God. To my kids who I love so dearly, to Kaylee and Emma and Avery and Landon, who just thinks this is funny right now, but if, if we watch this together one day, I pray that you would know and love God and that you would trust in him that the great sacrifice of Christ would be what you hold on to and that we, he would call you to himself and that your mom and I would entrust the faithful work that we are doing to him and not trust in that work, but to trust in God and his kindness and faithfulness.
My greatest hope for you is not that you would be good kids in the sense that you follow all the rules, but ultimately that you would trust our good and perfect God and that you would love him with all that you are, that you would grow up to serve him and to serve others as your mom and I do. So that was long, and I would say I'm sorry, but I'm not, I'm not because there are so many who have invested in me and who I'm grateful for and that I want you to know about. So as I get ready to make vows after I am charged, I would ask that you would pray for me. That as you make commitments to me, some of these will be in there, but personally for me, I ask that church you would pray that I would put my relationship with God first. I also ask that you would pray for me that I would not grow tired of marveling at the good news of the gospel. I ask that you would pray for me that I would love my wife and love her only and to lead my family in loving, knowing, and serving God. I also ask that you would pray that I would not fall in sin in such a way that would bring dishonor to the gospel or this church. And I ask that you would pray that I would continue to love and serve all of you, my dear brothers and sisters, who I hope to lead and co-labor with in the good work of proclaiming the gospel for decades to come. I love you guys. Praise God, Richie, for the the work of God in your life and for the testimony that you've given of his goodness. Um, In church, Richie said there are some things he wants you to hear more than everything else, and it was for you. Um, This next part is for Richie. So I'm going to be looking at Richie. I'm going to be looking this way. You can listen in. It's fine. But these remarks, this charge is for Richie because, Richie, you are... Uh, you are taken, you're being ordained to gospel ministry, which is a high calling. It is a charge to keep, one for which you'll be whole, held to account. And there are a lot of passages I could read and things I could call out specifically about gospel ministry, like preaching the word, doing the work of an evangelist, uh, protecting the church, uh, refuting bad doctrine, defending good doctrine, giving your life for the church as an under-shepherd, but what I, as you're being ordained to ministry today, you're also being installed as a pastor for this local church. And I would like to read a passage and just call out the example of Jesus for you to follow. So that passage comes from John chapter 13. So I'm going to read verses 3 to 5 and then 12 to 17. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, And was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And when he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garments and resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. 
For I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Richie, first, I want to charge you to always look to Jesus as your model and always listen to him as your shepherd. There are many sources of information in this world. There are people who are going to tell you they found the secret and there is a new way to do things. There are many causes that ebb and flow in this world, many of them good, many of them things that are worthwhile to pursue, but you are not to look to them for your marching orders. You are always to look to Jesus as your example and as your lead. You are an under-shepherd below the great shepherd, and you are to lead his people that he is entrusted to your care as he leads them. This means that there are things that you are personally passionate about. These aren't bad things, but if they are not doctrine, if they're just things you build on top of doctrine, um, then you need to make sure you are speaking them as your thoughts and not the Lord's thought. Your passions can come from the Lord, but as an under-shepherd, you need to be careful not to bind where he is not bound and not to loose where he demands obedience. And the way you're going to do this, the way you'll keep from conforming to the world, and the way you'll keep your doctrine pure is looking to Jesus. Jesus said in this passage, I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So look to his example in scripture. Listen to his teaching in scripture and to his leading by his spirit. The way we tune instruments is not by trying to tune them to each other to get them in tune, but we, into, we tune them to something external, that, that tuning fork. And by tuning them all together, they are all in tune. You need to tune yourself to Jesus, and you need to look to Jesus constantly. And I want to charge you to especially follow Jesus' example of humble service. Jesus, during his life, said that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In this passage that we just read, Jesus did the job of a servant. Jesus, the king, God incarnate, took off his outer garments. He wrapped a towel around his waist, and he did the dirty work of a servant. The job of a shepherd involves service that requires getting dirty. There are other people that can do many of the things that you will do for the church. But God has called you and gifted you and will work through you as you humbly follow Jesus by serving the church as Jesus has served those he loved. And in case it was unclear what Jesus meant, Jesus calls us to the same thing. He says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And he emphasizes it, saying, for I have given you this example so that you should do just as I have done to you. And if we're still not getting it, he says, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If Jesus, our master and Lord, did these things and commanded us to do the same, then resolve now to never look down on works of love for the church as beneath your calling. And lastly, I want to charge you to always press into the blessing of being in Jesus' service. Jesus, in the final verse that we read, said, If you know these things, 
Blessed are you if you do them. Jesus gives a benediction to those who would follow in his steps of humble service. You will grow weary in in service. You will be disappointed. You will be vexed. Your heart will be broken. But know this, that God will take care of you as you follow him and pour yourself out for those he loves. He will refresh you. He will lift you up. He will cause your heart to sing for joy, and he'll cause your heart to overflow with love, both now and in his presence forever. So when I first became a believer when I was a teenager, and I was first truly converted, I didn't know what to do with my life. So someone suggested to me that I apply to work at a summer camp. I did that, and as a new believer, I was assigned to watch after 10 young campers every week to lead them on adventures and to teach them the Bible. It was exhausting work because from waking up to going to sleep, those 10 people were my responsibility. I needed to care for them the whole time. And even when they went to sleep, if anything happened to that during that night, if any of those 10 small people made a mess in their bed, it was my responsibility to go and to clean that up. I was tired. My body was losing weight as the summer was going on, but I was full of joy. Because if you asked me, I would say, I know this is exactly what God wants me to be doing. And there was joy in cleaning sheets in the middle of the night for little children that God loves and knowing that it was his will for me to do it. There is great blessing in gospel service. And this is biblical. Jesus taught us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And whoever would seek to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for his sake will find it. You are being ordained to gospel ministry, which will require you to give and to give and to give, and in many ways to pour yourself out in love for others. There is blessedness and joy both now and the future for those who follow Jesus' example. So remember this charge. Look to Jesus always. Follow his example in humble service and press into the blessing that he provides. Amen. Thank you, Aaron, for that challenge to Richie. Thanks to the kids. You're doing such a great job. We have just a little bit to go, okay? So for us as a congregation, how are we to think about Richie, consider Richie in light of God's word? I want to read briefly two passages, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. Paul writes, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. The other passage is from Hebrews 13, verses 7 and then 17. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you.
So as we consider these two passages from 1 Thessalonians 5 and from Hebrews 13, I just have some quick kind of bullet points for us. It's already been mentioned, I think, a couple times that we want to pray for him, and not just today. We pray that he would be faithful. Pray that he would be walking with Jesus. Pray that he would be filled with the Spirit to love and lead his family and the church well. We're told to remember our leaders. We can remember them in prayer. There are many other places where Paul says, brothers, pray for us. But as we remember our leaders, we're also supposed to be aware of the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. It doesn't mean you have to cheer for the cubs and the bears. Amen. It doesn't mean you have to do all the things that Richie does, right? You don't have to have all the same interests that he does or skills that he has. That's not the point, right? How do I be, how do I be just like him? It's more so, how do I trust and follow Jesus like him? And by God's grace, that's what he aspires to be, and that's what his position in the church is for Not about him telling everyone what to do, but about him serving by God's grace through faith and being able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. And so watch him. And by grace, let us imitate his faith in Christ, our great Savior. Now, any of you who've known him for very long, and he's mentioned it already, know that he is not perfect, just like all the rest of us. And so we need to be ready to forgive him. There will be times when he messes things up, when he makes a wrong decision, when he speaks a harsh word, when he does a wrong thing. And rather than going, I can't believe a pastor would be like that, remember, we're just like you. We're sinners who are saved by grace, who are not yet perfected, and who are brothers of yours before we are pastors of yours. And so there will be times when he needs your forgiveness. And so in those moments when something like that happens, we need to love him, to love him enough to tell him the truth about himself. He wants to know that. He knows he's not done. He wants to keep growing. And so as you observe things in his life, you're going, well, he's a pastor. I can't talk to him. Love him enough, graciously, gently, humbly, knowing you also are beset with sin. Love him enough to tell him the truth because he's not only a pastor. He is your brother. And in ways that you perceive weakness in him, that's another area in which to pray for him. Move toward him in love. He needs you. And you need him. So don't only love him enough to tell him the truth about him. Love him enough to tell the truth about you. He mentioned Scott Pickering a few moments ago, who was with us years ago, and who would not take, I'm fine, everything's good, for an answer when he asked how you were. Love Richie enough to tell him the truth about you about yourself. That if things are difficult and he asks, assume that he means it and tell him the answer. That's part of what he's here for, is to care for you as part of the flock. So tell him the truth. Don't pretend everything's fine when it's not. That won't help him or you. 
A surefire way to short circuit your own discipleship is to pretend that you are fine when you are not. So don't do that with anyone here, but don't do that with your pastors as well. And then, in accordance with God's word, submit to him as he leads you according to God's word. It's like when Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. His authority as a pastor is not absolute. He's not in charge. It's not just his way, and not just because there's a team of us. You follow him as he follows Christ. And then, when it's appropriate, honor him for his work among you. Thank God for him, and let him know when he does something well. When you when he preaches a sermon, you go, that really blessed me. Yes, keep telling me like you have been the last several times that he preaches, but I hope you're also telling him. Encourage him. It will mean a lot. Let him know, because pastoral ministry, as Aaron said a few minutes ago, can be discouraging. There will be times when it will seem easier to give up and to get out than to stay in the fight. And some of the greatest encouragement you can give him is to let him know ways that he's serving you well and ways that you are praying for him. With all that being said, perhaps more than anything else, what Richie would want from you, what we would want from you as our pastors, and what would make your relationship with Richie as one of your pastors the healthiest is for you to follow Jesus, to be filled with the Spirit, to be meeting with God in his word day by day and talking with him in prayer, to be eager to make new disciples. And it's so wonderful to get to be one of your pastors. Just in this last week, I talked with two different ones of you in our church saying, here's this person at work that I'm praying for, that I'm seeking opportunities with, that I'm trying to talk with about Jesus. And one of them apologized later. Sorry, I rambled on and on for so long. We talked like 45 minutes about gospel opportunities at work. Guess what? I don't get tired of those kinds of conversations. Those are conversations that give me joy that give me life as one of your pastors, knowing that what God has called every one of us to do, you're doing. It's so encouraging. So follow Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit. Meet with God in His Word. Make new disciples. Be part of seeing existing disciples, those who are already following Jesus. Grow up in likeness to Christ. And above all, love one another. The Apostle John wrote, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. By God's grace, that is Richie's greatest joy that he anticipates in being a pastor. And so by his grace, let us fulfill that. Not because of Richie, but because of Jesus, our great shepherd. If we do this, we'll be the kind of church that Jesus wants us to be and a joy for Richie to serve as a pastor. May God give us this grace. So at this time, Richie, if you'd come up, Aaron, who's already up, Danny, and we're going to ask Richie a series of questions to which, Lord willing, he will answer, I do. I like to joke that you you, uh, say more I do's at this than you do at your wedding.
And so Danny and Aaron and I will take turns asking questions. Do you want to grab that one? Either that one or stand by that one. Either way. All right. So we're going to ask Richie these questions, and Aaron has the first one. Richie, do you promise the shepherd the flock of God, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock? to faithfully guard the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer? And do you promise to protect that flock from false teaching, division, and dissension? I do. Do you promise to care for the flock of God, not as a hireling, but as an under-shepherd of the great shepherd, caring for his sheep as the precious ones for whom he died? I do. Do you? In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of this congregation, promise to preach the word in season and out of season. And do you promise to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience, enduring suffering, while remaining sober-minded in all of your preaching and teaching? And will you do the work of an evangelist among those whom God has given you charge? I will. Do you promise to teach and defend the doctrines of our church's statement of faith in public and in private. I do. Do you promise to keep a close watch on yourself and to walk humbly before others, to invite criticism from others, and to make yourself accountable to those whom God has put in your life? I do. Do you promise to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and to show yourself in all respects in action and in speech, to be a model of good works, integrity, and dignity, so that neither the church, nor our Savior Jesus Christ, nor the gospel may be brought into reproach. I do. Do you promise to continually seek the gifts of the Spirit, that you may serve God's people, not in the energy of the flesh, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, and to carry out your ministry without fear of man? I do. And now the congregation will make our commitments to Richie. So we'll ask questions and please say we do after each question is asked. Do you, the people of Grace City Church of the Northeast, receive Richie Frank as your pastor? Do you promise to receive the word of truth from him with meekness and love and to submit to him in the due biblical exercise of his leadership? Do you promise to supply him with whatever material support he may need to fulfill his ministry among you? And lastly, do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist his ministry and leadership for your spiritual edification, the evangelization of the lost, and the promotion of God's glory? Amen. Let's pray over Richie. Yeah, if you'd come over here. Our God and our Father, we thank you for the testimony that we have heard today about your work of grace in Richie's life. Thank you for loving him and setting your love on him, giving him good works that he should walk in. 
Thank you for saving him. Thank you for the many works of love that you have shown through your people that he recounted and the many more that he didn't mention. Thank you for your work in his life. We thank you for his family. We thank you for his work here at this church. We thank you for the blessing he has been in so many ways. And we thank you that we can acknowledge that we have seen his character tested. We have seen your work in him. We have seen that you have gifted him. You've loved him. You've saved him. You've gifted him. And you have called him to lead this church here. So we pray that you would empower him as you have, as you have led him here, that you would empower him for the work that he is to do. So by your spirit, give him all the gifts yes. that he needs to work for, as your representative to others. Give him your spirit to have the words to say, to have faith to spread to other people. We pray that as he proclaims you, that you would work through that. Even as we see in the the book of Acts how your church was spread by people proclaiming you and people being added to the church, we pray that you would give him uh, love and works to do with his hands and then words to say that point to you and that you would use him to add to your church. Mm -hmm. Uh, We pray, God, that you uh, would give him all that he needs to endure. Give him joy. As you have given him joy in his responsibility as a husband, and you have given him joy in his responsibility as a father, we pray that you would give him joy and you would bless him as he takes on the responsibility of being a pastor. Forgive him all that he needs. And we pray that you would do that as you give grace little by little, one day at a time, as you give manna for your people, that you would provide for him. But we pray now for his whole ministry, that you would always be providing for him, that he would not waver in his dependence upon you and his trust for you, and he would know you holding him every step of the way. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Father, we come before you, and God, we say thank you for saving our brother. Thank you for calling him to yourself. Thank you for your faithful work in him and your equipping him. And so, Father, we ask now for the outpouring of your spirit on him for the work you have called him to. Father, we thank you that the work of your spirit, that the outpouring of your grace, that the intercession of your son is sufficient. And so we pray that you would help Richie to know your strength, your power, and that it would be through walking in the spirit that he would seek to be faithful in the stewardship that you have given him. Lord, I thank you um, for the wife you have given him, for the family you have given him, for the small group you have given him, and for this church family. And so, Father, we pray that you would help him to be aware of your strength, helping him to be faithful in each of these stewardships. Lord, we pray that you would be at work just continuing to stir up in his heart the desire for a faithful ministry. And, Lord, that you would meet that desire with the strength to do it each day. And Lord, as he stumbles and falls, would he see your faithful hand of forgiveness and that he would lean on you again? And so would you preserve him? Lord, would you keep him walking faithfully with you, Lord, that we as a church family would benefit that your gospel would continue to advance your kingdom here at Grace City of the Northeast. But Lord, it's beyond that as we are just part of your broader global church family and so we ask for your blessing 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, Father, we come to you aware of your amazing grace and how you have lavished it on Richie and on us through Jesus and that you will for all eternity. And we thank you, Spirit, that you've opened Richie's eyes to see the beauty of Christ in the gospel and that you are growing him up as you are the spirit of, the hol- of holiness. You are growing him up into likeness of, for, to Christ and empowering him for the work that you have given him to do. Spirit, we ask you to give him even new gifts to serve your church and to make much of Jesus Christ, that he would grow in his love for you and love for others, and that we would be the glad recipients of your grace that comes to us through his ministry. So would you keep him humble? Would you keep him faithful? Would you be with him? And would you be with us? And would we all grow up into Christ who is the head as we look to him, our chief shepherd? And Lord, we look forward to that day when our chief shepherd will appear. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Use Richie as part of keeping us until that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.